G'day footy fans, welcome to the Rugby League Week podcast. The grand final's been run and won and let's hear it. Up, up, Cronulla. It's still ringing in our ears. What a fantastic night, boys. I've got Shane Bugden, Rocco Luca, fresh from the grand final. Magnificent night, boys. We're going to run through the grand final, the highlights, the lowlights, the Clive Churchill medal controversy. We're going to talk about the entertainment. There's a bit more controversy. That was a dud. The Kangaroos squad, the Kiwi squad for the Four Nations. Might even take a look at who wins the NRL next year. Put the uh, get the crystal ball out. The million pound game in Super League is it cruel? Is it compelling viewing? So let's kick it off, boys. Grand final night, magnificent night. The uh, the holy grail for Cronulla. They finally got their hands on it. Shane, give us a uh, highlight of the evening for you. I think the uh, the set play they worked off the scrum, score their first try with Ben Barber, like you know the old chestnut, and reminded me a bit of the runaround that Penrith uh, used on Canterbury. You know, it's something that you go back back uh, through history and you, you, you see a lot of it, but because it's you know it's never used anymore, it just took them completely by surprise, even though it really shouldn't have. I mean, if you're Cameron Smith and you see someone like Ben Barber packing into the scrum, you've got to think something's going on here. And it's it amazing uh, they like got backs, I guess, packing to the scrum all the time now. Gallon, it was a bit of a, seemed to go a bit wrong, really. He had to push someone out of the way. Luke Lewis, just minutes before that, boys, pulled up a couple of inches short. I've got to say, I had a couple of shekels on Luke Lewis for first try, so... I'm still crying over that one, Rocco. Yeah, look, I mean that. I don't think we've ever seen someone show that kind of uh, patience or self-control s- not to reach out. Yep. Yeah, I mean that was remarkable. But you expect nothing less of a veteran and a professional like Luke Lewis. Um, I can't go past the Fafita match winner. Uh, look, we'll, we'll touch on Clive Churchill and everything else. But I mean, for a player like that to step up in that moment, to have five guys hanging off him like that to show control and, and still get the ball down. I think it's one of the greatest plays in uh, grand final history, and it's up there with um, Scotty Sattler from 03, that try-saver. Absolutely. It was George Burgess, 2014, all over again. The game was in the balance that night, and he just absolutely steamrolled the dogs. Look, Melbourne had fought back to take the lead in this game, which was incredible. They had no ball, showed plenty of ticker, and it just felt in that crowd that when Will Chambers put Melbourne in front, Cronulla might just fold up and it all might get too much for him. Up comes Andrew Fafita. They got a controversial penalty uh, on Chad Townsend. And then he just scores this unbelievable try for a bloke that a lot of people had said in the lead up, he could win him the game, he could lose him the game, depending on how he turned up. As you said, Rocco, just one of the all-time great plays, Shane. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, you know, as, as far as a try by a prop forward, I don't think I've seen better in a, in a grand final or any other big game for that matter. It's just, you know, brute strength, but also... Combined with that, just the way he positioned his body and uh, and made that effort to get over it, outstanding piece of play. I'll have to also say, though, as good as that was, I would have to say the Will Chambers not finding Cooper Cronk for the match winner was just as bad. So I'm going to say that could have been one of the great grand final moments. Could have even been better than that for Fita because the fact that he put that little chip in around, went around the sideline. the field and back in. Regathered. I mean, not enough's been made of that because he didn't fire Cooper Cronk on the inside, but that was just an unbelievable piece of skill. And if he would, he, he saw him. I mean, I don't know what was going through his head. I, I don't want to bag him or anything like that, but I mean... We split were... second. The grand finals can hinge on these split seconds and Will Chambers, if he'd pulled that off and got that ball inside or even got a kick back inside. But Melbourne still would not die. Cronulla fans, I reckon, with a minute to go, were starting to get a bit excited and they would weigh down Melbourne's end of the field and they still got all the way up and almost scored. That was just incredible going across the field from side to side. 
the atmosphere in that ground. I mean, we saw it last year in the last three seconds, and we saw it again, just sensational finish to a great game as Melbourne kept coming. Yeah, but why did why did Marika die with it? I mean, he had the ball at the end and time had expired. I mean, why did he die with the ball? Couldn't you put a kick in towards the end there? I don't know, they, the defence collapsed on him, but... They looked shot, Cronulla. When, when the ball went left, I think a pass from Cameron Smith, all it did was just land at another player's feet. It didn't quite go right into his bread basket. If they kept going, it was just... You, you could feel it, you could sense. If you weren't a Cronulla fan, you're just feeling like, oh, my God, it's all going to go wrong for him. Yeah, I thought they were in for all money. If, if the pass had it stuck and gone onto a bloke's chest uh, in, instead of you know missing the target like that, I thought they were in for sure after that Vernavalu run across the field and spread it. And I just looked quickly at their numbers and I thought, that's it. I actually thought to myself, that's it, it's over. I think, I think there would have been carnage amongst Cronulla fans if, that had, oh. if they'd lost that grand final you just can't imagine how much that they'd be wetting another f- they'd be wetting another 50 years on yeah it. exactly right so look that, that was just an incredible finish they got the money we go to the presentation now I think a lot of people felt that Andrew Fafida for all his controversy for all the, the crap that's happened to him off the field this year was the best player Luke Lewis had a great game Matt Pryor had a great game James Maloney certainly if Melbourne had pulled it out of the fire Cameron Smith 70 odd tackles just unbelievable. But for me, it was Andrew Fafida. Now we hear that uh, Australian selectors who picked this might have been uh, whispered to beforehand that he wasn't to win it because of all the drama that's gone on with the Kieran Loveridge wristband thing. So, look, I'm sorry, but NRL, if, if this guy's on the field and you haven't punished him before this, if he's on the field, he's eligible, he should have won it for me. Yeah, I completely agree. If, if there's any tinge of um, you know what, what he's done off the field, being involved in the decision not to give him that award, then I think it's complete and utter crap. You know, if they were gonna if they were gonna take action on that, it should have happened before the grand final. Uh, and if if it turns out that they didn't take action on it because they didn't want to take the gloss off the biggest game of the year, then I think that's gutless. Um, and if that was the reason that the decision was made, then that's gutless too. I mean, the thing about Fafida is he's regarded as such a great you know ball runner and, and offloader, but he was also outstanding in defence on the night. Mm, so forty tackles. Yeah, when you factor all that in, you know, regardless of the fact that you know they may have decided on the award before he scored that decisive try, I think even leading up to that point, he was clear cut the best player on the field. Yeah, I agree. Um, I couldn't have disagreed if they had suspended him and he wasn't playing, and I can understand why because I mean, I can. I don't think what he did was he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. We're not forgiving him for what yeah, he's done before. Look, this is didn't. the point. They muck around for so long with this integrity unit, and they clearly didn't have the balls to suspend the bloke for a grand final. So when he's on the field and they've let him play, yep. you can't then say that he can't no. win the biggest award. No, you, in the you, game. you can't, you can't. But I can also understand what it would have done had he got up on that stage and had a, that honour and had spoken in front of all Do the people. Do we think he would have I mean, mentioned uh, well, Kieran I mean, Loveridge it's in his a situation. speech? He couldn't no, be that well, stupid, could he? No, no, not a million years he wouldn't have done that. But if you're talking about the, the length of time it's taken the integrity unit and you use the length of time that they... Uh, took to make the decision on Mitchell Pierce as a bit of a yardstick. There's no reason why they couldn't have done it in the in the time frame before the grand final. There's absolutely none whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. It brings us to the Kangaroo squad. So they go down to NRL headquarters. What a bizarre situation. Darren Lockyer, uh, Mel Meninga, Bob Fulton go to NRL HQ on Monday to pick the team. The doors are locked. It's a public holiday. I mean, who is running the show at the NRL? They knew all along this team had to be picked on the public holiday. So they had to wait. There was no keys under the mat. Someone had to come and let them in. I mean, this is farcical. Then they put the decision back and they don't announce the team because they have to talk about Fafita. For me, 
pick him in the team if you think he's one of the best. And then it's up to someone, John Grant, Todd Greenberg, or someone like that to say, no, we won't have him in the side. But again, I reckon he's been dudded, Andrew Fafita, twice in three days for me the medal, and now not being picked for Australia, I think he should be there. Well, uh, the excuse that Todd Greenwood's dished out is the fact that the Australian jersey is the highest honour a player can be bestowed on. A grand final? Where does that sit? He was able to play in a grand final right. and win Cronulla a grand final. So I don't see why, if he's able to do that, why he can't play for Australia. So I, I think that's utter crap dished out from, from Greenberg here. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they were prepared to do it now, they should have been prepared to do it before the grand final. But above all, the, you know, if, if they're serious about this, they should have made sure that the integrity unit made their call on it prior to the grand final. Then we wouldn't be talking about any of this. That's right. They could have avoided a lot of controversy here. I've heard Mal Meninga, they've trotted out this no-dickhead policy. Please, they stole that from the Sydney Swans. Nobody even really knows what it means. Now, I'm not going to name anyone in that Australian squad, but I'm sorry, there's some blokes there that have been dickheads in the past, redeemed themselves. I won't run through them. We won't drag them down. But that is just absolute rubbish talking about a no-dickhead policy. The fact is, if the bloke's good enough to be in that team, you take him away, you keep him on a tight leash, surely he just would want to go over there and play his footy and not embarrass his country. I mean, that, I just I can't cop that no dickhead policy thing at all. It's just not right. Yeah, it's it's. I, I think it's crap. So it's just furphy. Yeah, it's just a furphy. Absolutely, just utter crap, and I don't buy it at all. So let's get on to the blokes that actually did make it. Of course, in any uh, Australian team, always plenty of controversy. For me, boys, the Canberra Raiders were they too far away from everyone down there in Canberra? Did they not get seen? There's less Raiders than Roosters. Shannon Boyd and Josh Papali, the only ones who made it. Now, let's have a quick look at the centres. Justin O'Neill, he's a mighty fine player, but uh, how did he get in there ahead of Jared Croker and Joey Leilua, a couple of blokes who had a pretty decent season in Canberra? Yeah, that that's uh, mind-boggling, that one, for me. I mean, there were calls for Leilua to be brought into the New South Wales team earlier this year. And they were strong calls and not without foundation, but kind of understandable the way things worked out. And he just kept on excelling right throughout the year. And Croker's broken records left, right and centre. They've got a partnership. Um, yeah, I, I really don't understand that at all. And then when you when you look at you know some of the blokes who did make it into that back line, like to pull one name out of the hat, Blake Ferguson, just you know I'm completely mystified by that one. Not only selection uh, in this team, but in every rep team he's made this year, I thought there's always been a better alternative to that bloke, and Leigh Lewis certainly fits that bill. Yeah, look, I can understand Josh Dugan being selected. He's been there, done that. I mean, Mal trusts him. Even to some extent, Blake Ferguson, I mean, he was there in the Anzac Test and I thought he played pretty well. But I can't understand this Justin O'Neill selection ahead of Leilua and Croker, uh, a fellow debutant. And I mean, if you had to pick one of those three, they cert- you certainly wouldn't pick in Justin O'Neill. So I, that's really bizarre. Uh, so yeah, Leilua's going to have to sit at home and watch his buddy Jordan Rapana, who did make the Kiwi side and, and well done to him. Jake Friend, I guess, is another one. Uh, some people are going to look at him. Look, I think he's he's a great story. We talk about redemption in footy. He's he's come a long way. He's a good backup in that team for Cameron Smith. The other one, Matty Moylan over Tedesco. What do, what do we reckon, boys? Surprise oh, that's, there. That's that's a crap selection. I'm sorry. Uh, look, Moylan was very good this year in the finals and everything like that. But he hasn't been picked here as cover for the halves because you I mean you got Maloney there. Um, who's also been? He's going to play a backup to Cooper Cronk and, and Jonathan Thurston. So he's been chosen as a as a backup fullback, and I don't think he compares to De, to Tedesco. I mean, I, I I agree that I think Tedesco shades him this year. I don't think that, that there's a huge gulf there, and I think the advantage that you have with Moylan is is just the, the style of football that he plays. You know, he, he does play 
out of fullback like a five eight little bit and just makes it makes the defence think about a lot. He was one one of my favourite players to watch this year, but I do agree that you know if Tedesco was fit and ready to go and his his jaw was all fully healed up, then he should have just showed Matt. For sure. Yeah, but I mean against the Kiwis who are going to be the Kangaroos' biggest opposition, don't you feel like does, if Boyd goes down? Tedesco is the more effective player against. Yeah, no, Kiwi, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I agree. He does shade him at the back. I'm just saying that I don't think the, that there's a huge gulf between the two of them. I mean, like any Australian team, you've got plenty of depth there. Obviously, if Darius Boyd did go down, you've now got Matty Moylan in the team. You've got Greg Inglis as well, who can obviously play a bit of fullback. Dugan. So Josh Dugan as well. I mean, this is a very deep side. I think. I think New Zealand and Australia clearly to me. Look, Wayne Bennett will obviously have the. The Pommies fired up. They'll be keen to do well at home, but it really looks like another Australian-New Zealand battle. So if you have a look at that Kiwi side, I think we mentioned last week how strong they are going to be. I think the biggest question mark, though, around New Zealand boys is in the halves. I mean, you've got Sean Johnson. Tell me who plays 5'8". They've picked uh, Tamari Martin. Well, he's never played a test match before. That would be enormous pressure on him. Who else is there to play 5'8 uh, with think, Sean Johnson? I think Lulawai plays 5'8". He's off to England, uh, back to the Super League, but he's had a combination. Hasn't been too effective over the last few years, but there is a combination there at the Warriors level. So I think Kid will will play the safe card and he'll uh, trot out Johnson and uh, Lulua in the halves, which you'd have to say isn't the most effective halves pairing. No, no. Thurston and Cronk might uh, might have the wood on them, yeah, I would have thought. Just a little bit. I mean, Tamari Martin, six games of NRL under his belt. That that's an incredible selection for for me. I'm not saying the kid's not talented, but you know, he's he's hardly been blooded at all. And the fact is that if, you know, Lulawai does go down injured, then um and that and that's that they don't have a huge amount of depth in the Yeah, see so who else would you have, who else would you have I don't I mean just yeah. just having a quick look at that list, you know, if 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 they lose both of those blokes then who who switches into the halves mm. after that, you know, you'd have someone be playing like a back rower in yep. there or like a center. That's yeah. Now there's a young bloke by the name of uh, Tui Lola here who made his debut for New Zealand last year, hasn't made this team. Now the mole tells us in uh, rugby league week this week that the the Warriors have put out an edict. It's hands off Lola here. There has been interest in him. They obviously want him to stay, which is interesting because he didn't get a huge amount of footy with Andrew McFadden. So obviously under the new regime there, they're thinking he will play more footy. They want him to be part of the plans. Was he a bit of a shock uh, omission from this Kiwi team? Or Yeah, look, I've followed the uh, the tour of England pretty closely last year. Um, new Zealand went down 2-1 in that series, but they were heavily undermanned. And I, I thought he did a pretty good job. Um and he's definitely a talented player. In regards to the Warriors team, I don't know where he's going to play next year because, I mean, Rogers back at the back. You've got a Foran-Johnson-Haas partnership. Um, I don't think they're going to use him as a winger. So I I don't understand this hands-off Lola here policy. Yeah, we because, want to keep him, but uh, we're not yeah. really sure. That's like, we, you know, he's ours, hands-off. But uh, yeah. as you said, what are they going to do with him? So it's an interesting one. I think, look, for me, as I've said, Kiwis and Australia, definitely the standout two teams. It does look a very strong Australian team now. Talking about Kiwis, boys uh, moving, let's let's uh, shift to uh, Kiwis and music. Why couldn't Crowded House have been at the uh, the grand final? I mean, honestly, let's get on to the grand final entertainment. It's always a big t- talking point. It was sensational last year with Cold Chisel. They got it bang on. Everybody knows every word of the songs. All they want to do is sing along, get in the mood, really. In fact, I think most people I spoke to just want the game to start. That's another issue. It goes on way too long. We never, ever kick off on time. It doesn't matter what time they say. But if we're going to have entertainment, was Keith Urban uh, the right choice this time? <laughs> oh, 
I'm not sure. I think I think they could have, probably could have done a bit better than Keith, especially when you compare it to you know having Sting at the AFL Grand Final. But it was what preceded Keith before mm. Keith. When yeah. Switchy Sambora up there sounding like a bloke in a karaoke bar with ten bourbon and, and the big O, Worry Anthony boys, yeah. come on. Yeah, I know. It's just I, I don't. I, I can't. Butchering that place at all. If you're going to get a Bon Jovi cast member out here, you better make sure it's Bon Jovi himself. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. why are we getting the guitarist out here to sit? To, yeah, the to band leave? wasn't called Sambora. No. So. <laughs> So uh, another strange choice that uh, you can't wrap your head Jessica around. Jessica Mowboy got another start. She's played more grand finals <laughs> than a lot of uh, more players. Look, I, I don't know, boys. They obviously put a lot of effort into this. As I said, frankly, I think they put too much effort into it. Yes, it's a, a, meant to be an entertainment package. They charge a lot for a ticket. They want to give people more than just three games of footy, but it just drags on and on. It goes way past the 7.15 kickoff time. Surely this game is crying out. I know we've said it all before. It's all to do with TV, but this game should be kicking off at 5 or 5.30 on a Sunday afternoon. Much better for families. Yeah. Twilight, you know, Twilight, I think, is the best slot for this. Um, it just dragged on. I was there just yeah, waiting, and it just too long, too I, long. I think Twilight footy. I think what you're saying about families actually hits the nail on the head too when, you, when you're sort of around the game and by the end of it, you know, you've got kids who are basically falling asleep you know, and then they've got to go all the way home. And I know the next day's a holiday for everyone, but um, yeah, it, it, I think it definitely should be looked at. Long way back to the Shire too for those kids. Uh, mind you, it did seem that uh, pretty much every single Sharks fan went on, went back to the party. I know uh, a couple of the staff from League Week got out, did a bit of uh, filming at the party on uh, on the Monday. Just amazing atmosphere. We see it every year, but when you haven't won a competition for 50 years, the pure joy amongst uh, Cronulla fans was just sensational. I've got to say, on that, Cameron Smith, Craig Bellamy. Look, Cameron Smith does cop a lot of people, and he can be a, a major pest on the field, but his class after the game, the way he spoke about Cronulla and, and congratulated them, I thought he was a great example for anyone, any captain up there. They Losing captain quite often makes a speech and basically says, you know, gee, my team played well, you blokes played well, thanks for coming, you know, off the stage sensational Cameron Smith, great ambassador. Yeah, he didn't need to do that. I didn't think he needed to sort of go out of his way that much to to congratulate Cronulla and, and say, well done and you deserved it and it's been a long time coming. I didn't think he needed to do that. Um, so it just shows, I mean, the man's won everything and he's won a lot of everything. But I think losing and the way he handled it shows a lot more than how he's handled himself when he's won. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think another aspect of that, that sort of class in that side was the way that, um, you know, when as soon as that siren sounded and everyone's just down on their haunches or lying down on the ground, shattered the one guy from that team who was walking around and telling them to keep their heads up and that they'd done well was Keeper Cronk the same way as he did it to the uh, the Canberra players in the, in the prelim. And, you know, those two guys were probably the, the two most heavily booed players when the teams were announced, but th- th- there's a lot of class to those fellas. Yeah, look, there was a lot of... I think the, the scenes out on the field after the game, each, the great ET was out there. I mean, for these guys that have bled long, long time for that club, Andrew Eddinghouse and Dave Peachy, Paul Gallon, you know, for, for all the effort he's put in. So you can just imagine, as we said, what the what the feeling was like. Now, Shane Flanning, I've got to say, a bit of a touch of class from him as well. He took the whole team out onto the field after midnight, it was, just to savour the moment with uh, no one left. Oh, there was probably a few Sharks fans asleep under the seats. But apart from that... The joint was empty, and he's just told these blokes, and I think this is sensational, not to not to really get stuck into the drink too much, just to make sure they could enjoy it. Because you can imagine you want to have a few beers and a few more beers, and you go back to the club, and the atmosphere is just crazy. 
by the time you get to that fan day on the Monday, as he said to him, you don't want it all to be a blur and a haze and you fall off the stage and you can't remember any of it. I reckon that is fantastic leadership from him and great advice to these blokes just to you know, to keep it all in control and make sure they could enjoy it, remember it. Absolutely. And I think it's been, yeah, sort of a lead they've taken all season, both on and off the field. And um, yeah, look, we were out there yesterday and I couldn't tell if any guy was still nursing a hangover too much. So I think they were all coherent and able to interact with the fans. So clearly they took his advice. Yeah, it's sound advice too, because, you know, when we interview blokes who've won grand finals and, and you, you ask them about it and some of them will just come and come straight out and say, mate, all I remember is, say, for example, one of the Sorensen boys after the MK Cup victory, which is the only other trophy in the, in the Sharks cabinet up until... Sunday night, he just said, all I remember about that is I didn't go to bed for three days and the rest of it's just a blur. So it is sound advice from Flano, yeah. Yeah, look, I think that they've enjoyed it. They deserve to enjoy it. Can they win it again next year? This is always the eternal question. There's a lot of, usually a lot of stories after a grand final. Players want to mention a dynasty. Oh, we can win this again. We can win it. We have seen how hard it is to do it twice. The Cowboys got close. We still got to go back to 1992, 93 to see the last team go back to back with the the Broncos. So, look, for me, this Cronulla team, unfortunately, I reckon there's a fair bit of age. Paul Gallen is going to go around again. I know Shane, uh, a certain rugby league week expert, which we'll get to in a minute, doesn't think that he should play again next year, even though he's already said he will. Luke Lewis, uh, you know, is not a young man. Chris Hyington. There's a fair bit of uh, age in this team. It just felt like this was their year and they did it. They nailed it. For me, I don't think they uh, they can go on and win it again next year. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And Mickey Ennis not being there as well, that's 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 a big divot in that side. Um, I, I completely agree. I don't, I don't think that they're, they're much of a chance of doing it. I hope they, you know, prove me wrong and aim up. But it's, it's not the same sort of comparisons or, or chance that, that, you know, would have been spoken about with the Cowboys last year. And had the Broncos got up in that game, they would have been spoken about in terms of the dreaded D word, but not no, not this side. No, I agree. I don't think they can go back to back. Uh, as Shane just touched on, I think the biggest question mark is the hooking spot because, I mean, the service Mick Innes has given that club over the last few years has been first class. And, look, they've signed Manaya Cherrington from the Tigers. Farmanu Brown can play a bit of hooker, but... Boy, there's question marks there, and it's such an important position these days. So no, they won't. I don't think they'll be going back. So the, to that. yeah, the Cowboys, as as you know, was a big story in rugby league week at the start of the year. Had the same team, the same seventeen blokes. Now that is remarkable that they were able to keep that team together, and they couldn't even go back to back. So you take a few key players out of the Cronulla side, another year older. It's just a big R. So that leads us to gentlemen. If they can't win it, come on, let's. Uh, Let's get the crystal ball out now. I can see you scratching your heads thinking about this one. I'll lead it off. I'm going to go. Uh, I've been down this path before. I'm going to go there again. It's the Warriors. Surely, <laughs> surely, boys, it's time. They can do it. They let me down every year now. Uh, we've got a new coach. Everybody wanted McFadden gone. He's gone. This is a quality side again. Oh, I can't believe I'm even saying this. Hopefully, in a year's time when they're about 12th, no one will be able to dig up this podcast and, oh. and listen to me saying this. No. Uh, what do we think? Obviously I, not agreeing with me, I can tell. Well, I think they need to make the finals again first and uh, it'll take some time to make that leap from, from making the top eight to then winning the competition. So they haven't made the eight since 2011. So I think small steps there. They need to make the finals. They will be an improved outfit next year under Kearney and also with uh, Foran's inclusion, hopefully. So, but no, they won't. I don't think they'll win it next year. Uh, my money's on the Storm. 
pending what happens with Billy Slater. Um, look, he's been a great player, but I think if Bellamy inserts him back at fullback and then shifts Munster out again and delays his progress another year after he's had a sensational year at the back, I think it's going to hurt him. So, look, Billy's been a great player, but I wouldn't mind seeing him retire, to be honest, and I think it's for the benefit of that side. I'll go with Canberra for mine. Uh, just Shaden Penrith. Uh I think that there's still improvement left in that side and they, they, they ran the Storm so close in that, in that prelim, even though they tried to play the same sort of footy as the Storm did, which isn't, isn't their sort of real natural style. Uh, I think they can step it up a bit from what they did this year. I think they sort of really found themselves as a team and they'll go into next year with a lot of confidence. They've got good depth. Uh, through the, that side, you know, the Mounties, uh, their feeder club. So, yeah, I'm not saying that they're not going to be headed. They'll, they'll have their difficulties, but I think yeah, they've got the quality to win Yeah, plenty of, plenty of footy in the Raiders and Panthers, definitely two uh, very strong sides that you talk about there. So we're talking about there the, uh, the top end of the competition. Just quickly, boys, on the bottom end of a competition, relegation, which we don't have in Australia. They do have in Super League. Just tell me quickly, uh, Rocco, as our Super League expert, the million-pound game. Now, this was uh, Salford and Hull KR. Now, this convoluted qualifiers, Super 8s thing they play, but it basically came down to those two teams playing for their life. Now, even Marvin Kukash, Kuki Kukash, who uh, runs Salford, said he just felt so sorry for the, the Hull KR guys that careers can hang on one game. It went to extra time. Now, I'm sure this is uh, very compelling, very exciting to watch, but uh, is it fair? Well, look, us Australians, we, we can't relate as much as the English can because promotion relegation is embedded in um, their sporting culture over there with the Premier League and all that. So for us, it seems a bit foreign and seems very harsh, but I think the spectacle is amazing. I can understand what he's saying, but I think the spectacle of uh, no tomorrow, life or death right here, right now, and the fact that it went down to the wire... I don't think we can sort of reproduce anything like that. So I think it's a great spectacle. It's great for the fans, and um, yeah, I think I think it's really it's a really something. If we had the chance to do it, I'd love to have it here. But I mean, I don't, we don't have that sort of system set up. But I love it. I think it's cruel. I mean, I think if you're going to promote and relegate people, you do it off the basis, just a straight up basis of their results all year, so that. Say they did have it over here this year and Newcastle have been easily the worst side in the comp this year, down they go. But if you had a situation where it was Newcastle and then the second last place side, just go away, play a game and whoever loses, you know, it comes down to 80 minutes. I think that's, that's yeah, very, very cruel. And, the, you know, the, the sort of suffering that the, um, the losing side gets with regard to, you know, what they're able to earn, how they support their families, which is touched on in a story in the, in the magazine this week. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, <laughs> uncalled for. Yeah, basically. so the Knights could have packed up about halfway through the year and gone to New South Wales Cup. They would have known where they were headed. So, look, it's not something we're going to have in Australia. As you said, it would have been a fantastic spectacle. Tim Sheens, it looks like him, and he was going to hold KR to coach. Now we hear that he still wants to go there. Um, it'll now be a target for him to try and get him back up. So, look, sensational finish over there in England, as we said. Same in Australia. An amazing grand final. Cronulla Sharks fans still reveling in it. Make sure you get your hands on Rugby League Week special souvenir issue this week. We'll catch you next week to talk Four Nations and everything else in the game.